Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to another edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today in a surprise episode, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Seabass appears on the guest line that is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Seabass. Seabass joins us for... I guess a surprise visit. Uh, my friend is busy these days, but um, I guess in the case of 53-point wins, you find a little time for your friend, huh? Well, yeah, you know, I thought I might as well make a little time for a 53-point winner. <laughs> How you doing, friend? We, we have not had many of those, have we, to cover? We've not had any of those that I know of, so... <laughs> You know, it's funny. It's, we've been doing this podcast for, we're right at an eight-year anniversary on it now. I mean, at times it just, I've, I've, you have these internal jokes yourself, and I've just thought for a while, like, this should be the the Baseball and Disasters podcast, because that's basically been what the material during the, the eight-year history of this. Uh, but yeah, this may be uh, starting the, to turn the page. I had spoken to a group of people last week. I said, I don't know when this is going to start, but you know, it might not be this year. Maybe, who knows, maybe it's not till the end of next year. But I felt like at some point the program would start to turn a page to where they just wouldn't be a pushover all the time anymore. Uh, right. And, and maybe, maybe that's what Saturday was. Well, you know, look, uh, of course, one step at a time, we all understand that, but any Commodore fan who has any seasoning on them in regards to how long they've been following Vanderbilt athletics, if you saw what we saw on Saturday, that was unlike anything that I can remember. And not only that, let me say this. A lot of people will say to you, you know, I haven't seen anything like that since the Franklin era. Here's what I'm going to say. Now, don't confuse that with me saying this is better than anything you saw because it's Hawaii, and we know that Hawaii is going to be very bad. We understand that. But, Chris, I watched every game in the Franklin era, and there were some awesome games. They were a lot of fun. But never not once, not even once, did I see that level of intensity across the board, special teams, offense, defense, for, and I won't say four quarters because we did not start great. We all know that. But the level of an intensity, linemen finishing, defensive players swarming to the football, even if they have nothing to do with the tackle on every freaking play, I didn't see that in the, in the era. Not in, in the Franklin era. Not like that. I'm not calling it that. And I'm not going to say we're getting those results. But what you saw Saturday night was a learned product that has been ingrained in this team. That didn't just happen. They weren't just hyped up because it was the first game of the year. They were taught that. They And not only were they taught that, they reflected it 
And that is such a great sign. I don't care who we're playing at. If we go one and 11, if I get that effort every week, then it's just about a talent gap that will close a little bit, hopefully. But I don't think I've seen them out of that, uh, an effort like that out of a Vanderbilt team in a very long time. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I think the 2012 Tennessee game had that kind of edge and feel to it. But I know what you mean because I thought it afterwards. It just felt that they played with an edge that we had not seen in a while. I mean, in Mason's team, the, the one that beat Tennessee, the Tennessee team that was headed to the Sugar Bowl, what was that, 16? Played with a little bit of that that spark too. But, the, I mean, you may well be right about it, A, and, and B, they've been few and far between even if you're not. I mean, we just played with the type of swagger that we usually see out of the teams we're playing. Right, know? right. That's that's exactly what I thought when I watched it. Like, I've seen a lot of teams come to Nashville and, and sort of carry on their business that way. And, you know, and, and it's little things like this. And, I, and I, I think I either said this to you or I might have – I was kind of – I was a little more chatty in the game thread uh, than I normally am. By the way, Chris, what was it? Over 800 posts in the in the game thread? Well, well over 800. And, and I know we did start the game thread a day early, which I'm going to try to start doing. I just think that people are talking about the game on Fridays anyway. And that and, and B, on, on game days, I get busy. I've got stuff to do. I'm trying to get out the door. I'm dealing with kids. And sometimes if I don't start it on a Friday – I get to the stadium, it's 10 minutes till kickoff, and I remember, oh, I didn't start a game thread. So that's probably going to be more of a regular thing. But, yeah, we had, goodness, 800-and-something posts and I think over 10,000 views on that thread. And, and, by the way, it's a private message board, so you can't get in and read it or post on it unless you subscribe to our community. So it's not getting that you know, boost from trolling opposing fans or, or whatever that looks like. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great point, but you know, I was pretty active in it that one, or at least for me anyway. Uh, and you know, like I remember there was one post, uh, and it had, it wasn't calling them out by any stretch of imagination, but it was when, uh, there was a pass breakup in the end zone that, uh, just thwarted a touchdown by Maxwell worship. And the inference was, well, we got lucky on that one. And I mean, no, that, no, that, that was a phenomenal play to do. That was preparation and that was execution of a play. I mean, that there, there, it had nothing to do with luck at all. It, and, and you talk about being in the right position, making the play. And so many times we have found the way not to do that. Uh, and, and here's another thing that I was talking about in those threads. And that was the ability. I mean, look. We we don't have what you would consider to be elite pass rushers by any stretch, and we haven't for a while. But what I loved about that, and remember, if you kept listening to that game, the one thing that Hawaii should have been able to do well was, uh, uh, you know, the offensive line execute. It was if they had an experienced unit, it was that. Yeah, and I love the way that Vanderbilt's defense manufactured pass rush 
from different areas of the defense, uh, you know, all the time, kept Hawaii guessing, didn't really know what it was coming from. Uh, I mean, it could be interior, it could be stuffed, be off the edge. Uh, it might, you know, it might be orgy creeping up at the last second or him, you know, not disguising and getting in there and, and try to get that little A-gap blitz up the middle. Uh, whatever it was, man, it worked. Everything they were doing, they manufactured, not only manufactured a pass rush, but they did it in multiple ways and with multiple players. Uh, will that carry over to other teams? I have no idea, but I know it did on that night. You know, Mason's defenses were so uncreative. And last year, I mean, as much as I thought Jesse Minter did a pretty good job, they didn't really do a lot of that stuff. Or if, if they did, it didn't really succeed. This was more like watching one of those, you know, fill in the blank with Woody Woodenhofer or or Bruce Fowler or, um, oh, good grief, who was Franklin's D.C.? Um, uh, Bob Shoot. Uh, uh, Shoot, yeah. You know, when they just used to send guys from all over the field and they had guys on their heels when it was really working. And, look, it, it is Hawaii. That, that team's got to be beyond dysfunctional. So I don't want to take too much going forward from that. I just know what I saw in that game and the part that they could control. I was really impressed with that. Yeah, it was their habits. I mean, yes, they were fit far superior physical. We understand that. And like some of those runs in the third quarter, there was nobody there. You know, I mean, so. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey and, and that is what it is. But it's the habits. You know, everything you know, is a, in, in the game of football becomes a habit, you know, one, and not all of them are bad, not all of them are good. Uh, but that's what I was talking about. You know, we may not be the most impressive Vanderbilt team I've ever seen, but the effort, the habits, the execution, everything about it, that final three and three quarters in, 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 in Hawaii was some of the most fun I've had as a Vanderbilt fan. You know, with still no illusion of what we are or are not as a team right now. I have no way of knowing that. But I promise you, Chris, even if the result is a 42 to 10 loss to Georgia, but that is the way that they play. I promise you, I'm going to live with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live with that because the only thing that we could ever ask as fans or whoever your team is is max effort on the part of the coaches and the players, you know, because you're never going to get your A game all the time. Nobody bring, nobody has their A game all the time. Even Alabama and Georgia don't have their A games all the time. Their talent just wins out in most cases, you know. But I just really don't know how they could have played better in those last three quarters. I really don't. Well, I mean, they, they took their foot off the gas in the fourth. Um, well, that's I mean, but that, but but that even lends itself to what I'm talking about. Well, I thought that I mean, the backups on defense came in and played really well, and that the offensive line did too. I mean, you, you that was a point of concern, and again, it's probably got a lot to do with who they played. But even when they went to reserves on both sides of the ball, it didn't seem to matter. No, and 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 they did. The, they emulated the same things as their starters. You know. You know, that, that that's my point. They played the same way. They may not be as physical or as good, uh, but they played, they executed the same game plans. You know, they, they've been together practicing, working every day, doing the same drills. Uh, but what they did looked like the way they had been coaching the starters and, and the way they'd executed. That's, man, that, you that's it. I mean, I know it may sound like I'm going overboard with this, and I'm not, I'm not sitting there screaming, we want Bama. I just love to see football executed that way out of teams, and we never do that. 
And so we did. And it was just about as refreshing as anything I can remember in a long time. Well, you probably read all my practice reports, and I don't mean this as a, a pat on my back. I mean it as a I'm looking for things that line up on the field when they play with what I saw in 18 practices in August. Well, and I guess a couple of those were in June to be, or excuse me, July to be exact. But the point is, like a lot of the themes that I wrote about were things that you saw on the field. And I think the thing that I was most, I guess, putting stock in in terms of improvements, I felt that the back seven had a chance to be a good bit better, and I think that's exactly the way that it played out. Oh, there's a bunch of them, Chris. There's a bunch of them. You know, I mean, we we look, we can highlight the people. We know the names, but, I mean, think about this. Because if Max Worship's going to play like that all the time, and Ricky Wright is going to play like that all the time, you know, to go along with guys like B.J. Anderson, you, you know, of course, Jalen Mahoney. Uh, I mean, and I, I don't want to leave anybody out. And so, some of these youngsters, and of course, when Trudell Berry gets to play, maybe he'll have a role in here. I don't know. Uh, but these guys that are out there and they're doing it, man, I mean, a lot of times when when we've had a decent second, you have like one, maybe two good areas. And then, you know, maybe one of the corners is not so good or one of the other safeties is lacking a little bit, but the other two are pretty good and kind of levels out that Chris, they got a chance to be big, strong, rangy, fast, experienced in all facets of the secondary. Here's the other thing. I remember in the past, people would say preseason, I'm, I'm worried about the linebacker play, and I would say I'm not as worried. I think that they've got more players there than um, than, than people perceive, and you know, I'm, I'm more worried about other things. And then the season would come, and this is during the Mason era. This is not other eras. Right. And obviously Zach Cunningham would be an exception. After he left, it just dropped off a cliff. And I would say, well, I think their linebackers should be better. And I remember we had that podcast – what, two years ago where Dimitri Moore had been forecasted as a, a potential first-round pick, uh, which was that, – that's... I remember telling you about that. Yeah, I know. I that's that's the most ridiculous project. I mean, we were both like, what? And, uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how it turned out. But point being, linebacker has just – I mean, I don't – I doubt there's been a Power 5 program in the country – that has had worse linebacker play than they've had since Zach Cunningham left. And now that they're at a point where you look at them and you say, okay, you feel pretty good about Anthony Orgy. Um, and Ethan, Bar- I, I still think Langston Patterson, or excuse me, Kane Patterson is their better option. Um, and I think that's back to an or this week with he and Barr. But either way, either – Either Kane Patterson earns that job or or he doesn't, which means Ethan Barr has picked up his level of play. And either way, they've got some depth there. And I'm telling you, I really like Langston Patterson too, and Truesdale played pretty well. That's the best linebacker play they've had in a while. And I want to, again, suspend judgment to say that's like some star-studded group until I see more. But again, it was was the trend that you saw – that I thought carried forward from fall practice. You know, and, and look, and you said it, you know, because you're going to see, say what you see. I mean, that's just, that's who you are and that's what you should do. Um, 
and I don't recall, I mean, look, they had bad days in camp. There's not a team that doesn't, but I don't recall any, they look lost. They look flat. They're get they're terrible. They're getting smoked. I mean, you didn't come out and say, you ain't gonna believe what we're about to do. This team's awesome. But you could tell that you were, you, you were, you could tell that you had seen a, a, a measured improvement in the team that you saw, maybe even in the spring. Yeah, I, I did. And I, I think you could tell that. And I would always try to clarify. The only time I went with off-the-rails excitement was over the punter, Matt Hayball. And I think you saw that in his one punt. Oh, man, that dude. <laughs> you know, may he get little exposure for one of the opportunity this year. But it is great. to. I mean, man, if you can just sit there consistently flip the field, Chris, I mean, that, how how amazing is that? Give you such a, a such a better opportunity. How many times have we? How many times have we seen Vanderbilt's defense uh, start a possession at you know, and the other team is bare minimum their own forty? You yeah, know, I mean, their special teams have not been very good for some time. Yeah, and constantly having to to work around it, and even and there's another one for you. Special teams. I, I thought the coverage, kickoff coverage. You know, when they did get to run it back, I thought it was excellent. You know, I mean, I I, I really struggle. Other than other than that curious fourth, two, the two things that I like, and they were all in the first half. Uh, I I was I almost flipped out on on Mike Wright throwing the ball out of bounds on fourth down. That yeah, was that was ridiculous. just a bad prediction. And see, it that's that's where I'm when that's okay. Yeah, and that's where I'm I, I did not see anything that really allayed my fears of their passing game, which is still in my mind a very legitimate concern. Well and I agree with that, but here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would say because and he did certainly make up for that. Uh but here's what I'd say about Mike uh, through through the air, okay? I can't, at least off the top of my head, and I know the game's been almost a week, but off the top of my head, once he got going, got in that rhythm, and then the whole team got going, I don't remember a whole lot of throws in which he threw behind the receiver or totally missed somebody that he should have easily been able to connect with or didn't see somebody downfield. I thought he did a good job of distributing the football, and I I mean, I get I mean, there wasn't like this monster pass rush because it's kind of hard to do that to Mike Wright, but... I mean, I felt like he surveyed the field pretty well, kept his eyes downfield, and for the most part, found his people, threw him catchable balls. Um, and other than the other than throwing it out of bounds on fourth down, for the most part, I thought I thought he had a, a solid game through the year. Was it thirteen of twenty one? I think it was. No interceptions, two touchdowns uh, through the air for what was it one forty three, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know that. I mean. I, and, and they, by the way, could have been a lot higher than that, you know, and we both know that. Um, but I didn't see a lot of what would consider just to be, what were you doing type of throws, you know? He had three really bad throws. One was the fourth down one that you talked about where he just threw it out of bounds. One was he missed Will Shepard pretty badly. I think it was Shepard on another fourth down play and then another one was when he he threw the ball right to a linebacker or a safety and I mean there wasn't a a Vanderbilt player within 10 yards uh, where he just Mm -hmm. saw something that wasn't there or or didn't see something that obviously was there or whatever bow you want to put on it and look the the numbers did get padded by Jade McGowan and just some easy no they're basically handoffs that are scored as pass 
um, pass plays. But, I mean, the, the other side to that is he can run. I mean, and, and everybody saw that. Uh, and he's and he is going to make some plays against good defenses. I just am worried. You know they they stick nine in the box and say okay, uh, beat us. And, and and I will say one more thing: his throwing lanes were better against Hawaii. They were more open than what I saw in practice most of the time. Right now, <laughs> well, hey, here's to open. That's because he was facing a rock solid defense. How about that? Now we'll see if that's the case. Uh, and it was a little jest, but not really. You know, not 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 really. And and I think that's a great point about the throwing lanes. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and 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 something else. And boy, how bad have we wanted this? Uh, and that's to see our tight ends involved in the offense. And they clearly were, and they clearly seemed to be part of the plan, especially for a quarterback whose game is not downfield, you know, on that, on that third level. Which yeah. is okay. I mean, they can survive like that. I mean, it would be ideal if he could, if he's able to do that, uh, you know, and, you know, past the intermediate this year. And I'm sure at times he'll be able to. Uh, but getting, you know, getting Gavin and getting Ben involved in this game plan to me, I, I, I man, that can only help. And I'm not just talking about in a blocking role, which, by the way, they were amazing at that too. Uh, but you know, getting them involved in the passing game, I think it's paramount. And you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of the times, when we, you know, we I would say that because it was so necessary because we didn't have what you would consider pass catchers. Man, I'm going to tell you something. If, you know, if Quincy Skinner c- continues to play like he did, we know what we have in Will Shepard. You know, body guys like that, Jaden McGowan, and you know, getting him involved in things like jet sweeps and stuff like that, and in the in the in the short hitches and letting him do his thing in open space. Uh, he doesn't need a lot. We both know that, man. I just, I just, and then you have right behind you, you know, you know. Of course, Ramon Davis is going to be excellent. He's just a really good running back, and you know, the explosion that we saw out, out of out of Rocco Griffin, man. Tell you now, man. That's that's so much more from an option standpoint for the for a Vanderbilt quarterback than we're used to having, you know. So we'll see. The thing that I think is sort of occurring to me in this conversation, and and look, I'm not saying any of these guys are all SEC players. Um, although I think Shepard could be at some point, and Ray Davis could be too. Although probably not in this league this year. Um. My kids are going crazy outside my office. I don't know what that's about. Um, I, I think just the number of guys that I think can catch the ball, they've got Shepard, they've got Skinner, presuming he's healthy, which I think he is. Uh, they've got McGowan, they've got Body. I think that Ezra McAllister could help them. At some point uh, this year, Wilson, who Wilson Long. I to tell you and everybody else about that kid. Well, yeah, but but health, and that was not a small concern. So, and 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 when he came back in camp and started playing, it was very sudden. I mean, I didn't have any warning that was coming. So there was that. I mean, you've got a couple of tight ends who can catch the ball. You've got, I don't know two or three running backs at least who can catch the ball. They didn't really do as much of that as I thought they would, but that's something they've got in their back pocket. And if you want a deep, deep sleeper, 
I don't know much how, how much he'll play this year or how much he'll catch the ball, given they've got a couple of tight ends and maybe three in ball who can catch it a little bit. But I think Cole Spence is going to wind up being a really good player for them too. And you may see that flash a little bit at some point this year. I'd be a little surprised if he doesn't get into a few games. I don't think he played at all against Hawaii. And maybe they may be saving him, I wonder, because he really, really came on late in camp. Right. And and, and think about this. I mean, now that's not it. There's another name we're not mentioning because he, he, he didn't play uh, because he was suspended. But Smith, you know, Smith continues to right. be part of that rotation as well. You know, and, you know, Logan Kyle, I mean, I, I think he might be capable, you know, in, later in games and maybe help him out a little bit. Yeah, man. I mean, that that's kind of what I'm talking about, man. This this team, they have options, you know. And, and the best part about it is, the very best part about all of this is that, and especially after getting a meat coach, you know, and, and really seeing what he was all about, is they emulate their coach. And in this case, that's a great thing. You know, because I could say to you, last couple teams emulated their coaches too, and did it, and the product showed. But I, you know, I'm I'm not ready to give Coach Lee the national championship coach. But I'll tell you this: it, it's so hard to do what it appears he's on the road to doing. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? You, you, I mean, it, it's one thing, and I'm gonna tell you something. You know, I I heard somebody talking on the TV last night, and they were talking about uh, no, it wasn't. It might, it, it might have been your one with Corey. I don't know. I'm not sure. I heard it the other day, though. And they were talking about how how uh, Gung Ho and Reddy Clark was when he got that job, you know, when he, went in, when he went in and addressed that team for the first time. But what Clark Lee told me was as ready and, and anxious as he was to do that was that he couldn't believe just the – I mean, how how bad it, the situation really was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to throw apathy out there, but that it was just. Oh, I I think apathy it, is appropriate. I really do. That it just was. It was worse than he really expected, and worse than he thought. And to see how quickly a lot of those same exact players that were there now they're maturing and they're growing and they're older now. Uh, have bought in because it didn't come in the form of wins. That team won two games last year. I think two, right? On it two, or they two and ten? Yeah. Okay, yeah, they won two games. I mean, and the 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 result looked a lot the same. I'll put it to you like this: if that team that we had last year played the Hawaii that's playing this year, we would have beaten Hawaii still, but we probably beat Hawaii twenty-eight to fourteen. You know. Struggle here and there. Yeah, maybe I, I agree. I do. Uh, this team was out for blood, and they buried them. You know, and the best part about it now, I look. Did I do? I love personal fouls from over aggressive offensive linemen. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Now, if you continue to do it, and it costs you in huge games and in big situations, no. But they did that because of a mindset. They've been coached by Blazik to finish. And then when you're done, finish some more. Make sure that they know who they're dealing with and what they're in for for the rest of the game because they tried to send that message on the first freaking drive, remember? Yeah. You know, and, and they never let that up. 
You know, and that's what I'm talking about. They didn't just wake up and decide that's who they were. That is something that had that they had to a accept. You know, they had to accept the information and and do and and execute it. But that came from that staff. That came from Clark Lee. You know, and it is very difficult, especially today, to get an entire team of people who are used to losing to have that mindset to say. I don't care what the past was. I don't care what you're used to. I don't care what old habits we used to have. This is a different program. That's not how we operate. This is how we operate. And if you're better than us and you have more points on us at the end of the day, it'll be because you earned it because you're not getting it. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Well, here's one thing that that I think was big, and I I think this is really where it fell apart for Derek Mason. I feel like they had really, really good player leadership in what was it, 17 or 2018, the year that they, they went to the Texas Bowl. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Bruno yeah. Reagan, Shermer, some, and, and if you want to go a little earlier than that, Trent Sherfield maybe too. Um, so I, I think that I don't think they really had much of that when Clark came in, you know. And they named eight captains, and I'm trying to see. I can't remember Ray Davis. I'm thinking Ray Davis isn't one of them, and they've got eight. And Ray's a guy that I think has got some leadership ability. So that's that's. And if I'm wrong, my apologies. But that's that's like a good thing if you've got a, a guy who's a leader who isn't one of your captains too. Yeah, that's right. But but here's, I guess um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, I, I do. Th- I know where I was going to go with this, and I apologize if I've told this on the podcast before. But maybe some people didn't hear it, and it bears repeating. I think that, and I don't want to ascribe this to him uh, incorrectly, but I, I think they would. I think if Clark Lee were on the show right now, he would pretty much back this up. And I, I use this story when I wrote the preview in Lindy's that I wrote. I do that one every year for for Lindy's magazine. I think that he knew in the spring. He told a story about. I, I think this is before a. Saturday scrimmage and he wanted his players to get some rest and he's he's in his office or or walking down the street or something and he hears a commotion in the stadium and he looks over and he's got like his whole defense out on the field and it's like an hour or an hour and a half before they're supposed to scrimmage and he's about to to get on the phone and you know, light into somebody and, and say, who who ordered this early show up when I wanted these kids to get rest? And then he found out that 
those players had called that meeting early on their own to get out there and get in some extra prep, which, you know, that changed his whole attitude. And he said, that's when I started to feel like our, our message and our leadership was getting to where we wanted it to be. And I think it's hard to understate the importance of that. And I think you're starting to see that play out. And certainly in terms of enthusiasm and the things that you talked about, I think that had a lot to do with it. I think so. I mean, you, you know, football is physical chess. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, when you hear people, when you hear football players say about the, how much the game is, is mental, it sure is. It just is. I mean, you got to have the horses. Uh, duh. Well, everybody knows that. There's a reason Bowling Green doesn't play for national championships. But you got to have the mindset to go along with it, man. And I haven't seen that out of a Vanderbilt football team in a decade. You know, just hadn't seen it. I didn't see it last year. You know, I just – I think it was too much to overcome. I think 2021 was impossible to judge Clark Lee, honestly, at the end of the day if we're truthful about it. Uh, but the early returns, if they're any indication of where of where they're headed, you know, if not just the production, but the mindset and the way and the way that those kids, you know, you know, what is the always Well, there's here's an example of what I mean. I I hate that it happened. I hate that it happened because I had such high hopes for both of those players. But with the removal of Edwards and Martin. I mean, I, I love the fact that, that that Clark Lee didn't blink. You know, I mean, those are yeah. two phenomenally talented young men. I mean, I, I you know, I've really had a lot of hopes for Maurice Edwards. And, you know, look, I mean, I know Daniel was still trying to find a physician, who he was, you know, what he was going to be and, and what he, where he, you know, I know he wasn't a factor in camp or anything like that, but he does have a skill set that, that does play at an extremely high level. And Clark didn't blink, you know, you got to go. I mean, this, this, we have a certain number of, of scholarships for kids around this country, mainly in the South, but uh, to be a part of this program and actually not just in words, but actually live out the experience of what it means to be a football player at this institution. And you're either going to fit that bill or you're going to hit the door. It's, it's really that simple, you know, I mean, and if you're Clark Lee and you're that coach of staff, you can, what do you have to lose? You know, I mean, you're, you're not, this is not a program who's been on top and they're, and they're worried about it. Look, they have a way and they know what it is that they want. And as sorry as I am to see those two go, if the, you know, by September of their freshman year, their true freshman year, if they weren't that standard, then they needed to go. I hate it. I hope they do well, but I love the fact that Clark Lee wasn't playing that game. I do. I love the fact that he made that that statement and made and made it known. You know, and and if that's something that you can't live with, then you shouldn't be there anyway because it's not for you. You mind if I respond to that for a minute? Do I mind? Yeah, I, 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 it's your pro, it's your podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll, I will start with the negative take of it. Um, yeah, those are two talented. I, Martin had not, it had not shown up yet. Um, Edwards, maybe it was starting to a little bit, but he wasn't. He was the third best back on the team at best, I think. 
and, and a little small. Now, what what I wonder is thorough as they are, like I don't know if there was a hole in their process that they missed, or that's just what happens when eighteen year old kids get to campus. And by the way, these these kids, I don't know the whole story. I know some of it. Um, you know, it's not going to show up on an arrest record someday or anything like that. But a lot of people have, because of that, I said that on our board, well, you know, you shouldn't kick the, the player off. Well, you don't know. You, you don't know how many times, you know, a, a rule was violated or what was said. I'm not privy to those conversations. There's only a few people that were. So I'm, I'm being sort of non-judgmental on on the whole should they have kicked them off or not kicked them off i just don't know enough i I, now i do know they're the ones that have to live with the consequences right um they got to go out and find two more football players who were that talented that's not always an easy thing to to do at vanderbilt so i presume they're not stupid enough to think that the the consequence of that um isn't worth the negative consequence of, of peep, keeping guys around who undermine what you're trying to do. And again, I don't think these are bad kids at all. I don't have any evidence to, to say that they are, but rules are rules. And and if everybody doesn't follow them and, and kids don't have respect for stuff, then, then you got to go or you're creating a distraction and a poison to your own team. If that's the case. And Martin, I had not seen on the field, Man, I'm probably going to say in, in two weeks, and, and I thought maybe I just wasn't looking. Um, he and Bryce Cowan, one wears 48 and 49, and, and they're both built about the same. And I thought maybe I'm just, you know, from a distance, I'm, I'm mixing the two. But I, I think in hindsight, I checked. Martin just wasn't out there a lot the last couple of weeks, which means you've done something to keep yourself off the field. So that had been brewing, I think, for a while. And Edwards, I thought it was interesting – that Chase Gillespie had started to get a lot more carries than he had by the end of fall camp. I presume there was an injury or something like that. But And I think to take it further, these guys both enrolled in January. So it wasn't like they got to campus and by the time it, it, it sunk in, it was too late. I mean, these guys were familiar with this is how it's going to be for, you know, for a good eight months now. Yeah, that is a whole – uh, spring semester and summer they, they they you're right they they know they knew what it was and i i, I hate to see them go and especially you know with a guy i mean and look i mean i know that can't be an easy decision for clark it's i think it's is it the first time he's had to do it i don't think there was one last year right uh well i mean he suspended to ricky right 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 so that's right and of course right they was able to come back on the team the, the team wanted him back uh but, you know, in the case of uh, a guy like Daniel Martin, I mean, Daniel Martin's from Marietta. I mean, Georgia's a very, as you well know, a very important state to the Commodores. And, you know, at some of those coaches, those high school coaches and those programs, they don't care if you were right about it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's their guy, you know. And I'm not saying that's the case here because I don't know that. But it could be, you know, and – you know, I know that can't be easy. If you're trying, it's already hard enough trying to get a foothold in that state, and we we've done great over in there over the years. But you want to be able to go back and cultivate those. And when you have to dismiss somebody from your program, sometimes the cost can be not maybe blackballed, but a lot harder for you to pull players from there. 
Yeah, but, I, you know, you know what? You can't let that be the reason that you don't take, 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 keep control of your program. Well, look, I know that they are trying to attract NFL type players, and that's that's what they need to do. Now, the difference between the guys that they'll have that make the NFL and guys Georgia and Alabama have that make the NFL is their guys might be fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Um, you know, after their senior year, Georgia's and Alabama's are going to be first round picks after their junior year. Uh, Georgia and Alabama's are going to come in and be impact guys day one. Their guys may take a couple years to develop, and there's no way around that. But the other component to that is your culture and your discipline is going to have to be airtight, right? Your margin for error at Vanderbilt isn't big enough. And again, I don't know whether kicking those kids off was the right thing or the wrong thing. I just don't know enough to know. I know Again, I know some, and I would presume those guys are, are smart coaches. They know all the things you just outlined, and, and to them it's got to be worth it. Uh, but it, but that is the thing. that The culture is what he's trying to create. And if you do have guys that are bucking that, it is going to be hard for you to win long term. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you got I, I support Clark Lee all the way into the season. I've got one more observation, and I'll just wanted to throw this out there and let you reflect on it. All I right. think the biggest thing I'm watching going forward, well, one is is can they pass the ball? And I'm I'm afraid I know the answer to that. And I don't think it's the one that people are going to want to hear. But where I'm really intrigued is do they just look that much better in the secondary because they looked so bad before? Or are they really kind of sneaky good there? Because you know what I think of Jalen Mahoney. I thought Max Worship was maybe the most improved player on the team. I think you saw that translate. And Mahoney might be kind of right there with it. I think B.J. Anderson is really intriguing. Uh, you saw the speed. You saw the performance. B.J. Anderson was really good. Tyson Russell kind of emerged to take that corner spot, and I thought he was solid. And now you got Ricky Wright on the field, who everybody knows is athletic enough to play just about anywhere. I'm And, and by the way, C.J. Taylor in that mix, too. He's, he's you know, oh, by the way, right? scored a yeah. touchdown. And, and, and by the way, that, that one, I think you saw what I had been talking about in camp. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what that bunch delivers. And if you want to include the linebackers in that, too, that, that's fine because they're part of the back seven. I'm very intrigued to see what these guys really are once they play better teams. Yeah, and, and just the level of athlete. I mean, think about this. Think about what you're saying, you know, there are very few years in which C.J. Taylor would not only start but easily be the best defensive back on the secondary, uh, even as a uh, as a first year contributor, and he's not even starting. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's going to play a ton because he's such a productive kid. But I mean, look, I think Max Worship. I mean, he look, he took a horrible angle on that on that play in in that first quarter but dude he didn't blink i mean he made it up for it with that monster hit forcing that turnover and you got a guy like Ricky Wright who truly i mean you know of course he was was playing linebacker he looks like a linebacker you know who who just happens to be in, in on on the back end 
You know, but you take uh, just think about some of the players on the back end of that thing. When you start talking about guys uh, like Maxwell Worship and Dericky Wright uh, and C.J. Taylor, and then you look at these guys on the edge, and and you mention you know B.J. Anderson. I mean, we're starting to see. You know, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, maybe even in the going into the spring, you're thinking, okay, this secondary has, uh, you know. Jalen Mahoney's got some potential and then we'll see if we can build around some things like that. And now, you know, he's just one of about six or seven, you know, maybe five or six that are, that have the chance to be extremely productive, you know, and obviously now this team needs, needs, uh, Devin Lee and Davion Davis. I mean, they, they, they got to get back sooner than Big later. Time. Because yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to have to happen, uh, you know, but I, I like uh, what I saw out of Miles Cecil. He's not the biggest dude, but he's explosive. He's an explosive kid, uh, you know, and I look at some of the, oh, and by the way, what kind of sin would it be if we did this podcast? Talk about that game a little bit. I know that you and Corey and some others have talked about it, but, you know, man, if I don't mention Darren Agu, then who am I? I yeah, he's he's a talented player. But can, oh, can I? You know what? I, I want to actually. You you led me into the next thing I wanted to talk about. And obviously, things don't work this way. But I wonder if you could go back a month and you're the coaching staff, and you know you're going to lose Miles Capers for the season. You know you're going to be in pretty good shape with Mahoney and Worship at the safeties. And you know what C.J. Taylor has become. Could you move to Ricky Wright from anchor to star? And if people don't know the distinction, anchor is the hybrid linebacker slash safety, while star is the hybrid defensive lineman slash linebacker who plays off the edge. And by the way, if you look at the depth chart, Right size isn't that far off some of the kids on the depth chart at that position. I know. Then, like then, you, get, then you get right, who's who's maybe your most capable playmaker in a spot where you can kind of turn him loose and you get Taylor on the field all the time. Right. Now, now, you're, you're I mean, kind of thin at that position at that point, too. But, I mean, you're already a little thin at, at star as it is. Yeah. Yeah, but just think about this for a second, Chris. Think about – you know, you're talking about them Woody Woodenhofer defenses and some of those other defenses. One of the things that they, they had talent on all their levels. They had speed. You know? Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean, think about at the same time when you, when you start talking about max athletes that this defense can put on the field with worship, with Wright, with Taylor, with Kane Patterson, with B.J. Anderson, you know, with Darren Agu. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that is – that's just not what we normally do. You know, that's spreading there. there we have mo- multiple playmakers. Yes. You know, I mean, depth is the hardest thing to do. We always get a random good player and then a, you know, one right behind them. That's pretty good. And then a bunch of guys that are just out there. I don't see a lot of guys that are just out there on that defensive side of the ball. Now we got, you know, again, 
I mean, critical, that defensive line. It's If we're going to have success against the Missouri, South Carolinas, or the Tennessee, Floridas, uh, uh, Kentuckys of the world, then you know, Ole Misses of the world, then they are going to have to, they're going to have to be a presence there. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, I mean, if, if if they can get that, if Davis and Lee can come back and we get some production and, 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 and look, Malik, Malik Langham's just going to have to take his game up. There's just no way around it. He has to he do didn't, it. We have he didn't to. appear on the stat sheet Saturday. Yeah, we have, he has to be a, a factor, a good one, you know, not, not a negative thing, but I mean, he, look, if we could hit on him, if he could come through, man, that a, a defense with all kinds of potential would take a huge step forward. And that's a lot of pressure. I get it. But you know what? You have that skill set. You've got that frame. And most of our our players don't have that. You know, so he's got to do it. You know, we've got to have that production from him. And hopefully we can get that. You said you had about 45 minutes. And here we are at 46 minutes. So with that, I'm just curious if you've got any parting thoughts. Let's go to the mailbag. Oh, wait, there isn't one because you don't love me. Uh, no, I just I've I've done the mailbag with you a few times, and then you you couldn't make it, so I wasn't going to tease our listeners like that. I was going to let this be a surprise podcast and, and just do it that way because there have been several requests of of where is this guy, and I've just said he's busy. Man, you like me? You really like me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, no, so you wanted to know if I had any parting thoughts? Yes. Well. First, I was wondering if you thought there was any chance that I could be happy tonight. And I know the answer to it, but is there any way Ball State puts up a fight tonight? I don't see it. I just can't see how either. Uh, But but I I can dream. Uh, Other than that, look, you know, uh, let's just go handle business. And I don't want to hear any more about the plane ride. The plane's ride's over with, you know. Uh, none of you, you, you got this time to recover. It's time to focus. And because let's just face it, if they go out there and, and lay an egg against Elon, then what was Hawaii for, right? But if this team yeah. goes out there and handles their business exactly as they did, and I, I expected it would be a tougher game than it was against Hawaii. Matter of fact, before I finish this, neutral site Hawaii and Elon, don't look up your numbers. I'm just talking about you. What do you think? Elon. By two touchdowns. Okay. I was thinking something along the lines of that. So. That's about what I feel like, too. We're playing a better opponent, but that doesn't mean we're playing a good opponent. Uh, This is a game that the Commodores should win, and look, they have the advantage most positions, and especially offensively and on the ground, they should be able to enforce their will. They should. Now, not having Hernandez, we'll see what happens with that, but I did read, and I think it was Justin that clarified that actually uh, Castillo got a good chunk of, of, of gameplay in at center in that game, which that'll be yeah. important. I No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I am concerned about center because I didn't see Castillo take any snaps in fall camp. No, I was told he was probably the most likely backup plan if something happened. And you saw me say – a few times in practice reports, like that is my biggest concern. Like if they get somebody hurt at center, then God help them. 
because it could get ugly. But if he can handle it respectively, respectively, you know, and Bramer played pretty well a right tackle, you can move Ashmore into guard. It may not be the disaster that that I thought it would be. And I, I don't remember any hiccups with the snaps. Do you? No. I don't remember hiccups at all after the first half first No, uh, half no, the there weren't. And, and I mean I I thought honestly they might have to play Grayson Morgan anyway at center, even if um Ketchik didn't get hurt. Uh because right, I mean that, that it was it was it was ugly at times in fall camp at center when Hernandez wasn't in there. Yeah, and of course, uh you know, I was reading, you know, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't really notice it initially when it was happening that Bryson did play, and I think somebody commented that he had a pancake block on his first snap. Yeah, they really like him, but he's got to get bigger. Yeah, um, he, he he will because look, this is you know what this is not, and this is not a shot at, at that former Commodore uh, because I thought he was actually a really good football player. He just never could put weight on, and that was Riley Lauer. Yeah. You know, but this ain't that. I mean, Bryce, you know, Bryson's forum is uh, Grace. Excuse me. Uh, his 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 frame. He's gonna be fine. He just needs the time to do it. I mean, I I I, I could see Grace and Morgan playing at two ninety this time year from now. Yeah. You know, and and with his with with his ability and his, I, I mean, he's the type of offensive lineman like I like I said that you know, from a technical standpoint that we tend to go against, you know, <laughs> and, and wear us out, you know, the kind that knows how to use leverage that is, you know, comes from a, a great program. I and mean, this is a kid with a, a monster amount of upside. So, you, but you're right. You know, if, if he doesn't, if he can't put that weight on and sometimes that happens, then, you know, his ceiling is pretty low. Hernandez, I guess, has got technically two years after this. Let's see. Uh, play, played one game in 2019. What's that? What's the deal with Hernandez? What are we looking at here? I do not know. I I didn't. I don't recall seeing what happened. Um, that was one of those games that it's weird. Like in a, in a blowout like that, I'm less tuned in late, and and especially when the game's ending at one whatever in the morning, and I've I've got to get some sleep. I'm I'm less looking around to see. Although I guess he got hurt kind of early, didn't he? And I just missed it. But anyway, back to where I was going. Hernandez played one game as a true freshman in 2019, which means he could redshirt for that. 2020, uh, he played five games, started four, but he gets the COVID redshirt no matter what he did. So that means last year technically could have been his freshman year, making this his sophomore year, if you want to go the full six. If, if he wants to. Uh, but has Coach Lee said anything about – I mean, is this a – I mean, I'm sure he'll just say week to week. That Was that the comment for him? Honest to God, I don't remember. And, and by the way, I mean, I think there's a, there could be a modicum – now – Let's just say you're right, and, and and Hernandez is going to be here for two more years at least. I don't think that that's a roadblock for Morgan. I think they sh- they shift him out a little bit. I mean, the good thing about Grayson uh, Grayson Morgan is he's got position versatility. It's a former high school tackle, you know. Yeah, 
you know, and, and with that frame, I mean, he could do a lot of things. I mean, I think he's an interior guy. I do, but you know, Hey, that's a great deal. I mean, if this time next year, your interior is something along the lines of Hernandez Castillo and Morgan. Yeah. And I think, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were planning to give him some shots there anyway. I think that Morgan wound up at center because it was that bad when Hernandez was out or when Hernandez, mm. well, not, not out, but um, because he didn't miss any fall camp that I remember, but when he, I mean, you've got, you got to get backups reps and it just, it just was not pretty when they went to other options. I think that he wound up at center out of necessity more than plan. I could be wrong about that, but that's my perception of the situation. Uh, you know, Trevor Hoffman ended up in pitching out of necessity, <laughs> you know, and I mean, obviously um, it's a little bit of jest there, but sometimes those those moves, even out of necessity, end up being brilliant. You know what I mean? I, they yeah. Just, it ends up redefining them and making maybe taking them to a level that they may not have achieved. So we'll see. I mean, but I like the fact that I do believe that. I mean, I don't think he's a tackle in college. You know. But I do like the fact that he can he can play multiple positions on that line, especially at this early junction in his career. And, and even if it is out of necessity, you know, I mean, hey, the dude's upside is tremendous. This is not somebody who was clearly not ready to play college football, but because we have nothing else, you know, he's he's thrust into it. Any closing thoughts? see do you have any closing thoughts i don't know man i felt like we shucked it on down to the cob pretty well don't you yeah and and we'll have another one to talk about next week and look if they beat elon wakes the most anticipated game i guess probably since the texas bowl of what january 2019 yeah, uh, I mean, look, this is a preseason top 25. Of course, I mean, do you, do, is that still the case without Sam Hartman? I don't know. Uh, you know, Clawson's done an amazing job in Winston-Salem. That, And, you know, the thing about it is is that's, that's one of the programs, Chris, and I think you definitely agree with it, that even though they don't play in a conference like we do, needs to be kind of a barometer of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, and I say to say it, it's a lot easier to have success in the ACC than it is the Southeastern Conference, because duh. Uh, but I mean, I think that's kind of a on par type of deal. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, to take a look at that. Now they should be able to do better than us uh, with a lighter schedule than us. But you know, I think we need to be somewhere about on the par of 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 of, of, of a Wake Forest. And by the way, uh, on par with Wake Forest that played last year. You know. You put them in the Southeastern Conference, they're going to win three or four conference games. You know, so, and we've proven that at times we have the ability to do that, but, you know, consistency is the key. You know, anybody can have a season or two, but if you cap it with 10 terrible afterwards, then what are we really talking about? Yeah, Wake is, um, gosh, I guess there's three people on, three teams on the schedule that play tonight, Wake being being one of them. So I guess we get a first look at some teams down the road. How does Wake have tonight? Uh, I think it's an FCS game. Is it game. FIU? Is it FIU? Oh, let me look this up. I could be wrong. 
Wake plays VMI. VMI. I knew there was an I in there somewhere. It was a, a three-letter <laughs> initial, right? Man. I'm not was, sure there's much the difference. Right yeah. No, there's no difference. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? i tell you what. I had a good time. I was glad I was able to do this. I know I don't get to do it very often, but uh, I was glad I had a little time to sit back and do that. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Was it all you ever dreamed of and hoped for? <laughs> and some. And then some. And then Man, some. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right, big guy. Let's wrap it up then. Yeah, let, let's do this again. Um, hopefully you're available next week. Uh, well, I ain't speaking to that. There's no way I can commit to it. But if I am, I would love to do it. Well, we hope to see you then. Hey. Hey. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.